Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 69 of Tales of Tamriel, Dungeon Crawler Network production. I am your host, Ajelos, and with me this afternoon, well, she who podcasts from the couch. That's right. She's laying up there with her feet up because we're nearing the home stretch here and not too much longer yet until baby Nord, better be Nord, makes his way into the world. So, ladies, how are you? Yeah, we're not nearing anything. This is this is a it, it can pop any moment kind of kind of deal from now on, and it's a baby Argonian. So yeah. You cheated on me with that one in Warnhold, didn't you? Oh my gosh, yes, that buff Argonian, definitely. Ah, <laughs> oh, buff Argonian, oh dear oh, Also joining us, uh, well, Avi, Avi Optimal, awesome, the guy who's gonna have to delete another one of his characters so he can you know make a new one to name it after his newest niece. Niece, right? Yep, newest niece. niece. And I already got a character named after her. It's my sorcerer. Okay, alright, alright. And just to, throw, you... just to throw it out there, I, I don't think there's such a thing as a buff Argonian. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no, oh no. If you have not seen this Argonian in Mor- and, and where is it? It's in Mor- it's, it's not in Mornhold. It's in Deshaun. It's in... Um, Oh, what is that one town that you, the one of the first towns you go to after you visit the Cirque? I can't remember the name of the town, but he's in the basement there. He's in the basement. He really is the world's buffest Argonian. He's uh he's pretty sexy. Eh, make a nice <laughs> handbag. <laughs> uh, they do make nice handbags, that's for sure. Nice, nice leather wallet. I need a new wallet. <laughs> Gotta go find me an Argonian. <laughs> what I can do like cut off their tails they grow back right do they no they don't <laughs> no you can't cut off an Argonian's tail and it won't grow back it won't grow back if you cut it off that's it then now they are missing a tail oh. Man, well, we, be- we better ask the lore master <laughs> yeah right um, well you know they're missing a tail I gain a wallet I'm not seeing a negative <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying. All right. Before we get into news, I want to say that this episode has been brought to you guys by awesome fans just like you and as well as our newest Patreon supporter, Terry. Thank you so much, Terry. We really appreciate it. Um, 
If you're currently not supporting the Dungeon Crawler Network and wish to help us out, uh, consider donating or becoming a patron of ours on our Patreon page. You can find the links to both of these on the bottom of our website, DungeonCrawlerNetwork.com. If you're unable to support us financially but still wish to support us, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels, leaving us a review on iTunes, and consider telling a friend about us. All those things help us out so much, and we appreciate it. Um, all right. One last thing before we get into the news. Uh, I'm sure some of you may have heard. Um, it's kind of been floating around the Internet for a while that Google and the almighty Google that it is and YouTube now has started a gaming stream service. So I'm going to be playing around with that. And I haven't decided if we will abandon Twitch, but I mean, it is Google and Google overlords rule all. So I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see how that turns out. Um, Avi, I think, was I talking to you about this? No, this is the first time I've heard about this. Oh, I, I could have swore. It was someone over at DCN. I can't remember who it was exactly. Uh, Might have been Krabby. Um, but we were talking. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Actually, I know exactly who it was. And it's perfect because I haven't had an opportunity to announce, but we actually have a new streamer on our network who joined, uh, Setsua. He joined us, and I know he was streaming quite a bit this weekend from PS4. He's been streaming ESO on PS4. Uh, so whenever you see him stream, he generally streams in the early afternoon. Uh, was that him streaming The Witcher this morning? or That was Krabby, actually. Krabby oh, is Krabby. streaming yeah, The Witcher, okay. yes. He's yeah. working on a another a perfect playthrough of The Witcher 2 to import into Witcher 3. He wants to start... A, uh, he already beat Witcher 3. But he wants to... When they release new DLC, he wants to restart. And one of the things that he's going to do is he wanted to go through and do the perfect save. Because in Witcher, if you you can import your save and it actually takes all the changes that you made before or not changes, but every decision you made and actually removes characters and does all this cool stuff. So he wanted to go through and make it like perfect. So, um, Krabby's been working on that and Setsuo has been doing, um, ESO off of PS4. So, uh, I think he generally streams sometime in the mornings around noon ish. So if you see DCN go live with ESO, hop in and check it out. Say hi, introduce yourself, chat. He's a great guy. Um, but I think it was actually Setsu who we were talking about, and we found out Google is now doing essentially a Twitch version. So I, I'm actually kind of curious to see. I, I know Hitbox tried to jump in there earlier and you know throw their hat in the ring, but I mean everyone was so ingrained in Twitch, right? that no one really wanted to go over to Hitbox, even though Hitbox offered a lot of awesome features. Uh, but I, I, everyone, almost everyone who has Twitch also has a YouTube, so I'm kind of curious whether or not this change to YouTube will actually, you know, make a difference. Yeah, I'm they, curious to learn a little more about this. Ace, you're shaking your head over there. What are your thoughts? I think it's a bad idea. Twitch already does so well. There's already so many people... Why does everybody feel like they need to have their own version of things that are already really awesome and well-established? It's just... Money. I, oh, money. I don't think it's going to go over well. I think it's going to, you know, bomb. Even though it's the almighty Google, 
you, you know, you mentioned that, but the thing is, Twitch does have a lot of viewers. That's why Hitbox kind of failed, because it didn't really bring anything special to it. But YouTube itself already has so many more viewers than even Twitch has. Like, Twitch doesn't have that much. They have the gaming market. YouTube has everybody, you know? So them offering a streaming-type service just makes it all that more interesting. Like, you'll be able to tap into a market you possibly couldn't have before. I'm, I'm really, really fascinated to see where it goes. And Okay, so then, so then they can do it, but then I still think that Twitch is going to be the main one that people are going to go to for gaming. Mm. And they, people can stream anything else, but Twitch is still going to be... The number one streaming for gaming. It's, that's how I feel. Okay. Oh no, I mean that's completely understandable. I mean, but yeah, it's one of. I think. Uh, I think a lot of the smaller streamers will will probably jump to Google like right away because let's face it, Twitch while they make some money, did not have the resources that Google has. Google could pretty much do whatever it wants because it's well, Google. Twitch Twitch is only for video games, right? Yes. As YouTube, you, this YouTube thing, it can be streamed for pretty much anyone who does anything on YouTube, so cooking or whatever. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything you wanted to stream, you could do from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's looking. It sounds like the YouTube. Well, get the, the thing is, than, uh, YouTube already has a type of streaming service for that, but they're actually releasing something called YouTube Gaming, which is going to uh, be kind of like Twitch, where you could search for games and see people streaming them. Because, yeah, like you could find a channel and if you do a live event, people can watch it. I don't know how many people actively use it, but this is this is I think will be pretty big. So I'm going to keep my eye on it. So we may abandon Twitch, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it all works. It could be total crap, but, you know, (laughs) Google throwing their money behind it. I highly doubt it will be so. All right, that was a very long tangent, but still kind of related to the gaming culture as we know it. So we could we could start seeing a big shift in the meta there. Um, but we're going to go right on into game news. And the very first thing we got for game news is a Battlemaster corner, and it is the Blood Leech Slayer. Now, uh, Avi, did you take a look at this build? Because I was looking at it before the before the show started. Yeah, I've taken a light look to it. Uh, it's pretty interesting. A Nightblade tank build that focuses completely around around dual wield. I yeah, that's the one thing I'm thinking. Like how <laughs> um, I'm gonna go look at their bars one more time. Yeah. I didn't see any, and I only glanced at their bars. I really should have looked a little more, but I didn't. Um, sadly, Nightblade is the one class I have never played, so I don't don't know too much about the Nightblade class and their abilities as a whole. Okay, all right. Um, see, my my concern is I I like what they're trying to do, and I do appreciate separate builds, and like they they got away with a the taunt. They're using Inner Fire, but. I mean, this is, I would say, I can tell you right now that this build, other than maybe small group content, or maybe if you're with a really, really tight group of friends who do, like, four-man content, you might be able to get away with it. But I don't think this will be at all 
like I don't think you could use it in trials. I don't think anyone would take you on trials, nor do I think anyone would, you know, do a lot of veterans, especially pugs. Especially playing the orc race. <laughs> major oh, no. major uh, thing is orc. He did orc. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm I wasn't I mean, I understand what they tried to do. They they do like to show different builds, but other than being a more tanky type character to fill fulfill the rule of full tank with this build would be nigh impossible unless you had like an insanely awesome healer. And even then you probably wouldn't do anything other than maybe vet dungeons, maybe. And that's kind of even a little eh, iffy. I don't know, <laughs> but you haven't like, I get the concept. Like it's a, it's a drain tank, you know, every single thing they have on there drains health and everything it can. Like that's, that's its entire purpose. And it, and I understand that it makes sense. I just don't think that the, I don't think that the health drains you're getting are enough to mitigate the damage you're taking without being able to block with a shield. Like it, I just don't think it'll happen. So that's, that's my outlook on the, on that build. So if you want to check it out, it's on the official Elder Scrolls Online page. Um, it might be fun for leveling or small overworld content, but eh. Will you agree with that, Avi? Uh, yeah, def- yeah, I'll agree with that. But uh, this build's definitely not for me, especially <laughs> if you're if you're gonna if, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a build to be a tank. Uh, I don't know. There's so many other things you can do. But, yeah. If you're gonna build a tank, tank, you know, it's a tank with a shield. Like, yes, I can block with my two-handed weapon. I can, but the numbers are not like it. The game is designed. Everyone can block to help mitigate damage, right? But shields are designed by the books to actually block more. Like that's what their whole design is. Um. Could I block a boss attack with my two-handed sword? Yes, I've done it, actually. Um, does it hurt? Insanely bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's enough that I don't get one shot, but it's definitely not something that, you know, I could do full term or else the poor uh, healer would go out of mana in like three seconds, or magicka, rather. I said mana. Yeah. So um, that's that's my thoughts. That's it. All right. Moving on to the next thing. We have a lore master archive. But I forgot about it, so I think I'm only going to mention it because you want to pull, pull it, up? it up. Yeah, well, I don't know if I can pull it up, but I can go over there and read it if you want me to. OK, um, well, see if you can pull it up on your iPad. We'll, we'll, we'll circle, circle back, back to it. To it. All right, let me try. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll skip, skip to the skip next thing and we'll circle back to this. Uh, so, you actually, know, you're, getting, you're getting that echo on your voice a little bit. Oh, I, I turned. <laughs> my fault, my fault. I turned. Okay, next section is the Elder Scrolls Tamriel Unlimited Known Issues. Now, for those who have been living under a rock, the game has come out on consoles. Yay! After like a year, poor console people like... They've been going nuts with this game, man. Absolutely insane. Um, oh, to the point where did you notice that on Twitch, they like Elder Scrolls is in like the top 10 games being played right now? 
Oh, yeah. It's reached, I think, the highest it got up to was top six or top seven. But, yeah, a lot of people playing it right now. Yeah, it's sure. it's amazing to see all of these people playing the game. And uh, it's, it's definitely very, very exciting. Um, but there has been a very large issue specifically with the console release like it's been a little it's been a rough launch for consoles uh specifically i remember about 10 minutes before this show started there's an actual i don't know if it's a complete outage or if it's just login issues with the european mega server for ps4 where people are not even able to get in and haven't been able to for hours so um the the european mega servers have been having some issues from what i see um did you hear yeah, this anything? This was this this was yeah. I I've heard a little bit, and uh, this was to be expected, you know. With the game being so big, I don't think they realized what they were getting themselves into with everybody logging in at the same time. Uh, I know there's been some people who still can't get into the game on the North American Mega Server as well. Really? Uh, yeah, a lot of people have been having issues, and it sounds like a lot of the issues have been more focused on the PlayStation side than the Xbox One side. I don't know if you've heard about that at all, because I have not been hearing too much uh, issues with the Xbox One side of it. I've been hearing a lot of issues with very, very long queue times where people are sitting in queue where it's like estimated time one minute and they sit there for an hour. Like that. I, I like I like how they have that they have that line that says uh, you may encounter loading times up to two minutes when reviving at the way shrine near Razak's wheel. And it just made me think back to Skyrim. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, if this is on console, then yeah, they're probably having some big old loading screens, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I remember that was a big issue for single player Elder Scrolls games when it was hitting consoles. Well, consoles in general. Well, we all know. Um, and people can yell at me for this, whatever, but we all know consoles generally have lower system stats, you know, like they do. They, they're just not as not as robust as most gaming PCs are. And the newer ones are definitely a lot better. And I think they even expected that. Like, um, I know playing um, some of the other Elder Scrolls games on consoles that the delay was you know it was real on console like like you could feel it like it was just crazy delayed with especially with loading screens now pc especially if your pc was really good you had it on like a solid state drive you barely experienced loading screens so um and and not just issues like we're looking at on this list but also the the big uproar going on right now with the proximity chat you know, there was everybody was talking about how this proximity chat was going to be such a big issue, and man, people are uproaring about it, about how bad it is. So. Oh, yeah, uh, Thais can actually, I think, weigh in on this one because I remember we were talking about proximity chat where it would, uh, you could hear people chatting. Um, did you foresee any of this? Like, I, I I've heard stories about like going near the crafting station where a bunch of people are and someone's blaring their, you know their rap music over their speakers. <laughs> I I don't quite understand in, in what. In, in the in, console version of the game, um, they don't actually have chat. You know, like you you're, you play uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. they have a text chat like, you know, like a normal MMO does. Um, Elder Scrolls Tamriel Unlimited for PS4 and Xbox One has removed that. Now they have a quick 
chat kind of thing. Kind of reminds me of what Final Fantasy XI did for like the uh, multi-language thing. Like you could select, hey, do you want a group? Hey, do you want a trade? And you can, and it will it'll shout it above your character. But there's no actual way to type talk in the game. Everything is done through proximity chat, meaning your mic is always open um, to an extent, I guess I should say you can you can mute it. But in the game, like you speak through your headphones and people can hear you talk. There's no joining event channel. It's just if you're close enough to somebody, you can hear them talking. That is a terrible idea. Oh, that's got to be noisy and annoying and. Oh gosh! Oh, yeah, can, that's what everybody's saying right now. All I can think of is like whiny little twelve-year-old boys just complaining around everything in every city. No, <laughs> terrible. If only it were just twelve-year-old boys complaining. But no, like I, I literally have heard you know whole entire things of people like blaring gangster rap just over their headphones. You know, because obviously people are playing. And some people play like, uh, you know, like they have stuff in the background, et cetera. But you will actually hear people's open mics because it's not a push to talk. It's always open. And like you'll hear them chatting with family or whatever. When they come into the room, you'll hear their Netflix going. You'll hear whatever music they have playing whenever they walk around. That is horrible. That that, that would make me not want to play on a console at, at all ever it's just a terrible idea i i know there was a lot of complaints about why they just didn't put text chat i know i know you get it console players you know they they don't want to they don't they have and i understand but you don't have to final fantasy 14 you can get a remote keyboard to connect to your thing i know it's a pain but you can do it but it's one of those things where if you don't like I don't mind the proximity chat, but it really should be a group, not open world. It should be, you know, group based only. Like if you're in a group with somebody, then you can hear them. But otherwise, I would say no. Well, like, I know there's I know there's different settings. So, you know, you can switch to your group chat, proximity, your group chat and only hear the people in your group. Just like you can switch to uh, guild two or guild five and only hear people that are talking in guild two or guild five which will exit out zone chat completely so that's nice but just for the people who don't have a guild people who are new to the game and are coming in for the first time and the only play the only way to interact is through the zone of proximity chat i mean how hard would it be to even be able to say like looking for a trading guild without somebody chewing you out or yelling over somebody's music or something (laughs) What about the people who have speech impediments who don't enjoy talking out loud? What, what about like what about them people? I would feel so bad for them. Like if they want a party or they're looking for something in particular, they can't type it out. They're forced to say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And if they don't speak, you know, perfectly, I imagine that being quite traumatizing and embarrassing for them. Oh, I agree. I know we've we've had several friends who even went you know after a time we got to hear them speak and whatnot, but. Um, people with a type of disability like uh, where, like you said, speech impediments, cleft lip, things like that where it affects your voice. They don't like to talk with people that they don't know because they're afraid they'll get mocked. Um, and of course there's the, and I actually I remember uh, Mistress LeBeau said this as well on uh, Elsher's Off the Record. 
Um, the fear of, and we all know it's out there, girls not wanting to talk because, oh, you're a girl? Mm, you know, Pixar GTFO kind of thing. Like, and, and that, you know, it's sad. Like, you think it's funny, but that happens a lot because we like to... We like to try to break the, the gaming stereotype, but let's face it, the majority of them out there, that's how it is, you know? My goodness, I forget what game did I log into the other day. I forget what it was, but I logged in, and the first thing I saw in trade chat was looking for a girl to Skype with. It's like, why? That has nothing to do whatsoever <laughs> with the game. Why would that matter? <laughs> but that's what they're doing, you know? And that's and that that's intimidating for a lot of people, and people don't like to do that. So... I, I know there's a lot of controversy with that one. We'll have to, we'll definitely have to keep up with that one. Um, I know they, there, there is a forum post for everyone who's suffering from these right now, and they're giving updates, which is the one thing I will say. Zoss and in in greater relation Bethesda, we all know for those of you who who played any Bethesda game, I think it's part of the hallmark that they get released buggy. Because how many how many unofficial patches have been out for like Morrowind and like the other games that just fixed them when they came out because they were buggy messes like Skyrim was a buggy mess when it came out. Um, neither one of these developers have the best track record of releasing flawless games, um, but you know they're very good about fixing them or the community fixing them. And in Zoss in particular. They may release a, you know, a bug ridden thing, but they're very quick to highlight it and they do keep updated. Like I'm looking right here um, when I wrote this down, they've updated this list since I first put it in here, um, updated as of like today for queuing system, et cetera, et cetera. So rough launch, but it doesn't seem to be stopping the people playing because obviously not because it's insane. How many people are playing this game right now? So it was beating out Hearthstone last I looked. <laughs> yep, I saw that. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Did you find your thing? You did. All right. Would you? All right. We're gonna go to the section that we skipped earlier because now that Thais has the has her thing, we're gonna go back to the Lore Master Archive. And would you like to read Cheeses of Tamriel? I would, actually. All right, I have to pull it up here real quick. Let's see. Um, let me make sure I have this all set up correctly. Avi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Awesome. Okay. Cheeses of Tamriel. If you were like me, the very word cheese stirs you. Maybe you recall meals shared with family and friends, favorite dishes in the cold of winter, or a simple snack in the shade of a tree while traveling. I'm here to tell you how much more there is to cheese than you ever realized. Join me on a journey across Tamriel and discover a breadth of culinary experience you've never imagined. Let's start simple. Adar cheese, popular in Skyrim, is eaten by the Nords alongside hearty spit-roasted meats. They do not share the refined approach to cuisine that we Bretons take, but I have discovered that Adar's rich, earthy flavor and creamy texture are quite conducive to sauces. Try it with poultry dishes or paired with a young colquiva. For a more exotic taste from Skyrim, you must seek out cheese made from the milk of mammoths. 
Only the truly brave can obtain it from the giants who craft it. Yes, giants! Who did you think could milk a mammoth? But its restorative potential and robust flavor make it well worth a bit of risk. I've heard it called an acquired taste, but you'll be amazed at how it completes a hearty stew. As a student of Breton culinary tradition, I cannot rightly count it among true cheeses, but Scuttle bears mention for the adventurous. This delicious treat is crafted, don't balk, from the flesh of beetles native to Morrowind. Do not let its composition or greasy texture turn you away, for its peppery complex rich richness is loved by the dark elves for a good reason. For an energizing snack, you might try elsewhere fondue. There are countless variants of this dish, but the basics are always the same. A good cheese, strong stock, and, of course, moon sugar. Keep your pot on a low flame and be careful not to overdo the ale. The best part is experimenting to find your favorite combination of ingredients and dipping foods. My advice, try adding a different herb every time. On the subject of melting, the Red Guards crafted cheese with an unusual quirk. They keep the secrets of its culturing process close to heart, but love to surprise foreign guests by serving it. It is known as Shrieking Cheese. When it is melted to a certain point, it actually lets loose a jarring scream. In a common dish, small blocks of the cheese are added atop spicy meat as it cooks in an open pot. When it shrieks, it's ready. Another rare treat, should you ever be fortunate enough to find it, is a legendarily aromatic Ulroy cheese. To give you just the slightest idea of how wonderful this cheese is, I do not exaggerate when I say a scent of it alone was worth the many false leads and months of traipsing across southern Cyrodiil in search of it. Look at all these cheeses and wheels, wedges and slices. So many and it's only the beginning. There are even more cheeses out there just waiting for you. Even if you can't make long journeys in search of these delicious creations, I hope that reading about them encourages you to try as many cheeses as you can find. For those who didn't notice, I realized I didn't say it, but this is uh, a Loremaster Archive, an interview with Hoskill, which is the Chamberlain of Sheogorath, hence the cheese. Did you get that, Thais? Oh, I did. I, oh, I read, wow. yeah. That made sense to me, because I read it for that part beforehand, and I'm sorry, guys, if it sounded a little strange, but I get winded very, very quickly nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, in, in in keeping with that, um, there are a bunch of questions, but I think we're going to let them for the readers because I think you're kind of winded. So there's a lot. There's like th this is similar to what we were saying before, where they've been adding tons of questions. But if you're interested in checking it out, it is on the official Elder Scrolls online page. So we have a lot to go over yet, and and uh, we want to keep it kind of short and not make these die <laughs> all right next a little bit of news and this one's actually not really news per se but it was something neat that i uh, i found on the internet and uh it, it, they kind of used it as a 
promotional. Like if you've noticed, ESO has been putting out a lot of promotional videos, and we actually have two of them to talk about. But the first one is actually the ultimate Skyrim fan, like the Elder Scrolls fan, the guy who made a his entire basement themed after the Elder Scrolls. Um, I know they you saw it, and you promptly told me I was not allowed to do it. I had to make sure that was very, very clear, because if I didn't, I know that he would have tried selling himself, our house, the cats, our unborn child, just to find the money to do this to our house. It's awesome. Who wouldn't want this? Like, seriously. Avi, did you see this little video? Yeah, I checked it out. That's my little heaven down there. Would you not want that so bad in your house? Like, I, I, I love it. And I'm just saying right now that that video is really hard to pay attention to as soon as they show you the picture of the guy's house. Like, when he lives in this house and they show the house, it's like, oh, no wonder his basement sounds that beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love how he has the, sk- the Skyrim map on the table with the crossbow sitting right on top of it. And he does the... He does the very uh, realistic Skyrim style things that you see in the game, like how he has everything set on the tables and placed. Uh, I love it. My dream home. <laughs> I would live in that basement alone. That, that's it. That's all I need right there. Um, we would need a house with a whole bunch of different rooms that we can decorate because we would need a we would need an Elder Scrolls room and a Zelda room <laughs> and a Final Fantasy room and <laughs> a Witcher room. <laughs> Which would probably just be a brothel. Oh, yeah. Totally brothel. That's <laughs> all you need. Brothel and a Gwent deck. That's it. That is it. All right. I, I, I really liked it. And it, it's really a treat. You should check it out. Guy put a lot of work into it. I know he's a comic book artist. I forget his name now. Uh, but it, it was definitely worth the video uh, watch. And I'll, I'll include both videos we're going to be talking about here in the description below. So you'll be able to see them, too, if you haven't already. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to do that in my basement, like, really, really badly. Um, the final one we're going to talk about is another promotional video that was done, especially for the game. Like, I'm not sure if Zenimax is paying for these or not, but uh, this next one, is, it's kind of like, last week when we were talking about the cheesy video uh this is sophie monk who is apparently a model in australia did a video for the elder scrolls online tamriel unlimited um i saw it i'm gonna reserve my thoughts days why don't you go ahead and go first oh now i'm really curious what you have to say no, i want to hear you first i i enjoyed it i thought it was fun i don't think it really delved a lot into the game. It was more or less just something like fun and and that alone was enough to make me like it. And I thought she was I thought she was attractive and of course the accent. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was good. It was good. I, I enjoyed watching it. I think I actually enjoyed watching that little like spoof commercial more than looking at that guy's ridiculous basement. <laughs> Alright, I want to hear your thoughts, Avi. Tell us what you're thinking. Uh, Oh my goodness. Um, I I really don't know what to say about this video. I I didn't like it. 
I don't I don't like the idea of these whole dumbing down our dumbing down our game is what I kind of feel like it makes it do. I hate when she says you can go climb a mountain and you can go swimming. Who, 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 nobody's doing this, doing that in this video game. It's like they're they're completely trying to make this eye candy for the Skyrim and single player people. And I understand that. I think that's awesome. But uh, it's just a matter that when those people do come and play this game, they're they're not going to be able to go climb a mountain, and they're going to realize that swimming in this game is actually a lot more annoying than it is fun so uh, uh in my opinion i i really i didn't like it i think it's funny and i think it's humorous and i think it's a uh, it's normal it's normal console entertainment when it comes to their style of commercials okay now that i hear him say all that i i see where he's coming from i guess i can kind of agree when you look at it that way but just on the humor scale and the fun scale i i did enjoy it because it was supposed to be something fun and silly, and I don't think it really was trying to promote the game as it as a whole. I think it was just supposed to be exactly what it was, just something fun. You get to look at a pretty girl, and yeah, you know, it's, that's what it seemed to me. And I think they nailed it right there. You know what? Uh, what I was gonna mention was this reminded me, um, like I. I I get the they tried to be <laughs> funny but it was it came off corny which can be funny at times but that's kind of what it was um and as you as you were saying they only showed off like 10 seconds of actual gameplay but this was very reminiscent of the commercials that world of warcraft did like three years ago the what is your game where they had all these celebrities come on and randomly go you know like they had, what is that? The, the I'm a night elf mohawk. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like Mr. T. Oh, Mr. T, there's no mohawk. Ah, you think Mr. T's not good with computers? Hack the game. Yeah, stuff like that. That's what it reminded me of was that series of celebrity commercials where did they do they actually play the game? Highly doubt. I'm like, I just, I really do. Does Sophie Monk play this game? I don't know. Would it be cool? Yeah. I doubt she does. You know, she probably got paid to do it as per what, you know, she does. It's eye candy for the people who are fans of her modeling work. And it gets a little bit more exposure because obviously she probably has a very wide fan base. I mean, how many how many people probably picked up uh, World of Warcraft just because Mr. T did a commercial or, um, oh, what's the Star Trek guy? Oh, what's his name? The Star Trek guy. The, William the, Shatner? Yes, William Shatner did one, yeah. Vern Troyer? Vern Troyer did one. I'm a mage, and it was a no mage, yeah. Um, which was rather funny. I was actually going to think he would actually play something really huge, but he didn't. Um, but they had that kind of corny little humor that they really didn't show much of the game. They did little intros of, hey, look, there's a mage casting fireballs. It was meant to be silly, but it's especially in the United States and this is an Australian actors or uh, not actress but models I'm not really sure how it translates over there but uh, you ever hear the term um, celebrity worship where America has a fascination with celebrities right if a celebrity says they're doing something 9 million people will do it just because so and so has said it's awesome 
even though they may not actually do it. And I think that's kind of what it was, you know, the whole marketing scheme for this is, you know, the, the celebrity worship where, Hey, a very attractive girl is saying this game's awesome. And I, I love all the work she does and whatever she does. So now I'm going to pick it up just because she says to do so. That is a valid marketing strategy, but I don't know. That that's what I feel about it. I think I would have maybe liked it a little more. I don't mind the corny humor. I like that. I think I would have liked it a little bit more had they shown a little bit more gameplay, perhaps, or you know, as what Avi said, climb a mountain. Yeah, you can to an extent, like, but you know, it's not like parkouring up a mountain or anything you can walk till you hit an invisible wall or a point where you literally can't just get up anymore um swimming is what it is and it would have been cooler if she actually went over the features then it would have been like oh even if it was scripted she would you can do you can quest by yourself with friends you can get together and do open world bosses you can go into dungeons trial you know that would have been cool the thing she mentioned was just kind of like what you look at someone who has no idea what actually the game has or just going to say something about it. So that was my thought on that. It's still kind of neat though, to see the huge amount of promos coming out. Um, I'm actually going to move on to the next section, which is our discussion topic. And I didn't write this down, Avi. So guess what? I was going to say, uh, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know our discussion topic. <laughs> ah, yeah, no, neither one of you do. Cause I forgot uh-huh. to put it down. Well, I, I hope I'm good at talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it should be pretty quick, I think. Um, and it was really, really funny that you brought up swimming, because this is something that I was actually going to talk about. And that is swimming in the Elder Scrolls. Do you want to see underwater exploration? Because yeah. in the uh, single player games, you can. You have to deal with the breath bar. If you're an Argonian, you don't have to. So Thais, your Argonians will get some better racials, maybe. Do you want to see underwater um, underwater uh, exploration added? Yes. A million times yes. yes. All right, Thais, why don't you elaborate a little bit why it's a million times yes? Because I think in a past life I was a fish. (laughs) And obviously I love Argonians. And I was probably one of the only people on the planet that liked Bashir in WoW. (laughs) (laughs) I I loved that zone. I thought it was so much fun just being underwater. Because you really have to work on the environment when you're underwater. Because you, you you can completely go around any object. You're above an object. You're below an object. It takes a lot of time and energy to make it worthwhile. And Guild Wars 2, I think, did an amazing job, even though, again, most people disliked it. I was probably one of the few who loved it. But if, if, they, do it, if they do it right, it's going to be beautiful. Because it means that seaweed and everything will move with the waves. And the water already looks gorgeous in, in this game. I think that it'll be just just an amazing addition to the game it'll it'll give more life it'll give more realism then they won't really have to make they won't have to like actually expand the map they kind of have to like go under the map and 
I really, really hope it's something that they do. I would have so much fun with it. Think of all the underwater plants you can pick and all the new monsters. and oh, It'd be great. <laughs> all right. Avi, what, what are your thoughts on underwater exploration? Well, first off, let me just say I would love it. I, I think underwater exploration would just fit this game so perfectly, especially now that we're in a place where we're not stuck in a, a certain place in Tamriel like Skyrim or Morrowind so we only have their water to explore in this game they can do so much more to the underwater putting underwater cities adding places like I'm not sure of the exact name off the top of my head but like the place where the red guards came from that supposedly sunk thank you supposedly sunk underwater there's there's so many places that they can open open up the map to and explore and we can go see oh it just makes me so excited not like when back in the day with skyrim where you go underwater and it's so awesome but all there really is to explore some sunken boats and finding a chest here and there so i think the all the things that they can do with underwater exploration would just be amazing okay um now how would you feel if they had a dungeon that was purely underwater though i don't know how that would work like can i still use my dragonite abilities of fire underwater well let's let's just say that you can like for some because you're magical and that's magic you can here's something i'm going to interject real quick because this is a good question um Added with that, dungeon completely underwater. I like it. However, I do not want to see what Guild Wars 2 did. Um, And I get the idea they wanted to make underwater exploration something different. So they added, you don't have to deal with a breath bar. But it turned out that in in that game, people just didn't like it. it. It was a spam mechanic. Underwater things were just not fun in that game for the majority of players. And I say for the majority, so don't don't yell at me here, Thais. Is your hand up? You want to say something here? Can I? You want me to finish this? Oh thought? no, no, my my hand's oh. numb, so I'm holding it in the air. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, that's my biggest concern. Underwater people tend to have issues with underwater because it's navigating in a true 3d space. And that's very hard for some people to actually do. Um, I like the idea. And as you said, for, um, for an underwater dungeon, would I like it? Yeah. But I like the idea of you should never remove breath bars. Argonians, they can get a speed buff or whatever, but Breath should always be something that you have. And um, the part of the dungeon should be you got to wade through. You got to do the dungeon. You got to fight everything quickly and then find a spot where there's an air hole or something like you could stop there, raise your head up, get air and then continue on. I have to disagree about the Argonian thing. I really feel like Argonians should be able to breathe underwater, or at the very least, their breath meter should be five times as long. <laughs> you know, and I'm fine with that racial of Argonians can breathe underwater. Well, I wouldn't say completely breathe underwater because if everyone else can die that way, you know, I, I guess you know, I don't, I don't honestly don't care. You know, if it if it's one dungeon, does it really matter? You know, like oh, so the rest of the team has to go up for air. All right. As long as, you know, since trials are no longer timed, 
I don't think it matters because if it if this were like a, an underwater trial, like I could see them doing like a Merkmire or something, and it was still timed. Well, then it would be kind of unfair. Everyone has to roll Argonians or else you can't go because we need to not have to stop for air. Uh, but it should be point based, obviously, as it is now. And so I don't have an issue if Argonians can breathe underwater 100 percent of the time. I don't really care. It's not a so they can't drown. But other characters should should have issues like they should have to go up for air, find air holes, or maybe even have an item that they can bring with them, like uh, what ancient uh, Greeks used to use, which was actually just a lamb stomach. I think it was where they took it and filled it with air. And they, it was a, 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 um, a very primitive um, scuba device where they would actually hold the air in the, in the lamb stomach and they would be able to breathe out of that. It was, it's, it's actually really fascinating if you look at it. I, re- I remember seeing it on a uh, documentary about, um, uh, I think it was like Greek sponges or something like that. They were talking how people used to farm them, you know, way, way back before and before any modern equipment. So it, it's something that's interesting, and I like the idea of it. And I like the idea of being able to explore, because it was always something very fascinating in Skyrim or Morrowind where you would be going through a dungeon or something. Remember it, you could do this in various different areas. Witcher did the exact same thing. And I like that is entire areas were sunk. Like you, you'd be going into a Dwemer rune and it got flooded. Right. So like, Oh, well we know there's more of the wing, but that entire area is flooded. You can actually swim down. You'll be able to swim up to find air holes and you'd be able to, you know, fight bosses and fight things that are in the water. I, I like that. I think you can do a lot. It's just something that, to me, scares me because water, as of right now, if you ask people, like, if you went out and asked anyone who plays Guild Wars 2 or World of Warcraft, because those are the two I can think of at the moment, did you like Vizier? Did you like any underwater content in those games? And uh, it's not un- unrealistic to think probably 80% of the people said they hated it. I mean, I, I liked it. No, you're you're right. You're absolutely right. People people hated Bashir, hated it, and I thought it was just the greatest thing since sliced bread. And think of how easy it'll be in this game to swim because of the control mechanics are are different than other games. It would be relatively simple to be able to navigate a true 3D space with how you control a character in this game. You know, even when you talk about the 3D space, I mean, people eventually got used to that with flying in World of Warcraft because that was navigating a 3D space, but they didn't have to worry about, you know, running out of air. I, I think people complain till they see it. And, and I like the idea of being able to swim. So I was kind of curious what you guys thought. Uh, I don't. I don't get how fighting underwater would work. I know you. You guys have probably have more of a, a vision in your head since you've seen this in other MMOs. But every time I keep on trying to picture swinging a two-handed sword underwater, it's like. Oh. Well, you, you know, it would be kind of interesting. It, it, hmm. Here's something that they could do. Then this is something Guild Wars Two did. They added underwater weapons, which were in that game. Now that game was a little bit more quite steampunky, but some people use spears 
if they ever want to introduce spears, spears, fishing spears, and stuff like that would be an interesting uh, item to use underwater. They also added tridents, spear guns. Like they had a, like a whole array of underwater weapons. Right, but spear guns wouldn't fit in this universe. That's why I only mentioned the spear. But a yeah, trident would. No, trident's like a three-prong spear. But yeah, no, I mean any number of spears. Like people were already asking, "Hey, can we get spears in the game?" Um, it'd be kind of neat to see spears as an underwater type weapon. It doesn't even have to be solely underwater, but it'd be something that'd be kind of neat to have underwater, right? And I yeah, know some, something for the physic, something for the people who don't use magic for them well, to be able to use that might make a little more sense underwater. Well, magic can be used pretty much anywhere. Well, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, magic's perfectly fine because it's magic. But when it comes to the people using the dual daggers or the two-handed weapon, you know, switching the weapons around for, like you said, a spear or something, yeah, that's a really good fix around right there. Right. Even if you can't necessarily conjure fire underwater, they could easily change that to heat, just like pure heat. Instead of it being like a flame. Like there's ways they can do it. And I think if they did it, they can definitely do it the right way. Especially with how, how they want housing, but they're not they're not saying anything until they get it just right. I think that they could do the same thing with underwater. Okay. Um given if if underwater is something that they would bring in do you feel like it would be okay to change certain weapons to underwater or that they work better? Or do you feel people would have issues? Cause in world of Warcraft, for instance, that had underwater zone, everything worked just like it would above land. There was really nothing other than the fact that you were navigating in a 3d space. Um, Guild Wars 2 made it a little different. Uh, melee people got spears and range people got tridents that would cast magic. They were almost like uh, staves, but with Elder Scrolls being what it is, like you could swing your sword in in in, in underwater in Skyrim. It's one slower. Yeah, you could. Oh. Couldn't really attack on the surface, but when you're underwater, you could. People are always going to complain because that's just how humans are bred. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't necessarily agree with changing the overall function of a particular weapon just for use underwater like, like you mean like changing how a one-handed sword works completely like, like it can't be used on land anymore it's just for water is that what you mean uh, i i, I think, think i mean any weapon can be used under but they give bonuses to like spears for instance so you could attack with a sword but you know like it attacks slower because obviously you're slashing through resi- well i mean you're slashing through water which provides resistance more resistance than air does right um in in that case i think it would be a good idea maybe maybe they have to like think about what different kinds of weapons would benefit this type of world because because what you said a spear gun just wouldn't make sense they wouldn't be able to do that in this game but there's 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 other things they could try and changing how some of the weapons work so they make more sense underwater i i would be on board for that definitely Avi, do you think changing weapons or forcing people into very specific weapons such as spear or trident for underwater, would that cause issues with this game? Yeah, I think it might cause some issues. I I like the idea of it. I just don't think in the state that the game is right now 
that it's a good thing to implement. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, I'm very curious uh, to our listeners. When you listen to the show, please leave us comments below. Let us know what you think. I want to know what you think about underwater areas. Do you like them in games? Do you not? Um, I know my major concerns. While I would love to have be able to swim under the water, I really would. Because even in a limited sense, it'd be nice to be able to swim underwater, watch your breath bar, and go, oh, I got to swim down there. There's a chest down there. That was something that was just kind of fun to do in Skyrim. Um, I think, personally, I think that would probably be the better bet. Implement the ability to swim under the surface of the water and wait to see how people react to it before you invest a lot of time in in underwater zones are things to explore because who wants to waste development time on something that in other games so far has been like universally hated. You know, I, I agree with that so much. What that's perfect. That's exactly what they should do. They should just add in like a diving uh, underwater exploration. But before do that, before they add in things such as, you know, uh, underwater battles or underwater fighting underwater dungeons anything like that and just add some more things for you to explore and find like a more provisioning items you know stuff like that loot and just looting and exploring other places doing implementing that into the game before they implement and they put in uh dungeons and under underwater fighting combat and stuff like that right yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I know, like while they added these cool things and it was really cool at first when they were talking about it in Guild Wars 2, but it just turned out that even though it, it I thought it functioned insanely well, like I really did. I thought it was it was good. The majority of people just did not enjoy it and would try to avoid it with everything within them if they could. So, Thais, what are your final thoughts on on this before we move on? Do it. This game is the perfect venue for underwater battles and dungeons, and I think it would go over so well. Maybe not everybody else, but for me, it would go over so well. Okay. Well, that's that's one of those things where it's like, I love you, Thais, but you can't develop for one person. You may love it, but everyone else will hate it. <laughs> Um, but I do hope they implement it, at least in at first a limited fashion. I love the idea of going into like a Dwemer ruin and it being underwater or partially underwater. I, I like that idea, um, but we'll we'll have to we'll have to see how it how it goes out. Um, maybe they could implement crossbows for underwater fighting like they did in Witcher. <laughs> um because we all know crossbows exist in the world, Dwemer ones, and there's even one in the game right now. So um, even though it's not an item, it's an ability that you pull out a crossbow. All right. <clears throat> that is the end of our discussion topic. Definitely let us know what you guys think about um, about underwater combat in the comments below. All right time for our tales we get to talk about what we did in game this week that's right and first off as always is going to be avi all right perfect uh, i just wanted to say i just uh i had i had to look up a little bit of the uh, guild wars 2 underwater fighting and it looks it looks really cool to tell you the truth 
Wow. <laughs> All right, anyway, sorry, I, I, got, I got a little they, stuck. I, they you guys did got a me. really good job on The Underwater yeah. in Guild Wars 2. Everyone hated it, and I never understood why. Because it was done so well. But, but yes, yeah, so it's all topic. The, all, the new, all the new monsters this game would be able to add underwater. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we'll finally be able to take revenge against Slaughterfish. Oh, yeah, let's kill Slaughterfish. Oh, yeah, huh? <laughs> all right, but my week... Uh, I did something this week that was dear to my heart, and it was really hard for me to do. But uh, I decided I wanted to delete my uh, Nord Templar simply because I wanted to reuse the name Avi Optimal for my main character. So uh, I put on my caps lock, and I typed in the delete word, and I deleted my VR2 Nord Templar, which was really hard to do. But I'm happy I did it now because I just started my new Imperial Nightblade named Avi Optimal for the Daggerfall Covenant and I just started playing him a little bit went through Cold Harbor with him and I think he's about level five right now I'm not sure um, waiting on waiting to work on him until I get my sorcerer to VR1 and speaking of my sorcerer I got her to level 40 uh, I just finished going through the Alakir Desert and getting to Bankrai, trying to get through there, uh, fighting off all the Imperials before I go to Cold Harbor. Uh, I'm only level, like I said, I'm level 40, which is a good level, but normally I'm a lot higher than 40 at this point, and I kept on thinking, why am I such low level? And then I remember the advice you and Raxiel gave me, telling me, uh, don't do the Mages Guild and the Fighters Guild quest until a little later, and I realized, oh, I haven't I haven't touched the main story or any of the Mages Guild or Fighters Guild quest lines yet, so that's probably why I'm a little low level. So, uh, my week's been pretty short in that, just working on my sorcerer, soloing, uh, working with my guild to finally start doing some weekly in-game events. Uh, finally got a, a good amount of active members in there talking to each other and wanting to do more stuff once a couple more of them get to veteran, veteran rank 1. So uh, just waiting on waiting on a couple guildies to start being able to do some more group content in this game. And yeah, that's pretty much been my week. Very nice. Very, very nice. I like it. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's definitely cool. All righty. Uh, as for myself, I have to pull up my notes. I've had fairly busy week so far. Um, I've leveled my sorcerer. She is now 37, I think, and is about halfway done with uh, East March. Um, and I actually healed my first set of dungeons uh, on my Sork at level 36. It was a scaled up one. We did Fungal Grotto, Banish Cells, and Spindle Clutch. Um, that was a lot of fun. Like, I had a lot of fun healing, and. Um, and they no one died so you know I know she's looking at me what did everyone die no actually uh, other than this one person who I would have expected better gameplay off of um, because they were a former emperor um, and, and I get the idea of why they were the way that they were I guess like every time they would get attacked what would they do they would line of sight well that's perfect in pvp but the monsters then just go running off after them and and 
keep going after them again and again and they can't get away and I, I don't know I, I find I don't, it was just something that was very very difficult um, they died fairly because they, I just couldn't get near them I couldn't heal them and they were so far away I had to make sure the tank was up the other DPS was up and you know they were all together and this guy would just stand in the far farthest range you could possible and then would line of sight the monsters behind like walls run back hallways when he got aggro and it's like okay well good luck I w and if I ran after him the other two guys would get destroyed because they weren't within line for me uh, so that that was that was kind of difficult and at first it started getting really really tough um, doing that until I was like you know what listen buddy I, I kind of resigned in my head going I'm going to heal the tank and I'm going to heal this other DPS that are right here you know and if you're going to run away you're taking your own life in your hands man that's not the best healer story ever but that's how I took it um, you know if I'm not going to let two people die who are by the boss or by you know by the majority of ads to chase down one person who's running back down hallways uh face what i i know i know that's something healing is dear in your heart is that a decision you would have made to not follow him yeah like if someone's line of sighting like you're you're in a room and you're fighting a bunch of mobs with like your tank and your, your, your other DPS and the one DPS, anytime he gets aggro, he essentially trains the ads, um, out of the room. Oh yeah. Then, then he deserves to die because <laughs> if you're not going to stay with the group, then you're not, you're not getting healed. Yeah. I Cause I can't go running after you every 10 seconds because I either let one person, one moron die or I let, two good players die hmm. like like what what is what is the better option there obviously letting the one moron die who is not understanding how he's supposed to play in pve you know like i if think you if you have aggro you run to the tank you run or you run to the healer you don't run away <laughs> <laughs> it's not like i understand in this game you got to be mobile it's not just being mobile he was literally line of sighting and i think almost like we said he Again, he was only 36. He was a former emperor. He was probably got it in the PvP campaign, uh, the non-vet campaign. And in PvP, that type of play style works. But as you said, I think he just didn't have the idea of playing in a PvE environment rather than a PvP. And PvP line of sighting sounds completely logical. But, you know, training the monsters to you is, is going to be an issue because then the tank can't taunt them. They're out of, you know, they're out of range. The group's running all over. Um, so that was a decision I had made was just to let him do his thing. And I'm like, if he goes up there, once he gets back, I'll heal him. But I was trying to do everything running back and it would, it caused a lot of very close calls where while I was away, the tank got too low and I had to run back and frantically like blow all the magic I had to try to make sure that the tank came up. I could have been a lot more magicka efficient had I stayed there, but I had to blow all my big heals, my breath of life, you know, which is a, a great heal, but it cost a lot. It's that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I don't 
use that unless it's an emergency. And every time that I had to run away, it became an emergency. Um, if, if they're close in line of sighting behind like a pole in the same room, then, then, then going behind the pole to heal them, not that big of a deal. But if they're seriously running out of range, I would have had to backtrack like a, a considerable distance and run around a corner to get to them because they were already you were, at, you were right. They were already at max possible range, like absolute max possible range. I, they couldn't have got any further away and still be able to hit the mobs. Um, like 90% of the time, they were out of range of my heels, even where they were standing. So I would have had to move to just to heal them, even without them being line of sight. So... That 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 was my first experience. Now, the later dungeons got a little better after he realized I wasn't going to chase him any longer. Um, he started staying closer, closer to the group. There were several times where he would run off and I wasn't going to chase him because I'm not going to abandon the rest of the group just to chase after this one guy. Um, and that that that's what I did. Um, that that was a lot of fun. And, and the way my my sork is built she's resto destro so she's kind of even in both it's fun to be able to put the heels when there's no when there's no uh damage going out switching over to my destro staff and just going crazy like aoeing things down was a lot of fun so strange for a caster um so yeah did that and i think the last thing i really did was on my main uh, I downed Helra Citadel with uh, the Dreadlords Guild again. Um, so thank you guys for bringing me. That was really that was a lot of fun. Um, but overall, it, it was it was a lot of fun to do all of that stuff that I had done. Um, I have now finished every single one of the trials, with the exception of the hard modes. I think that's the only thing I'm missing yet is the hard mode of all the trials. And that includes DSA because I finished DSA as well. I think I talked about that last week. So um, other than the hard mode stuff, all current content for me is done other than questing. I still have a lot of questing I can do. Um, so that's that's really exciting. It's also exciting now consoles are released. All my content is quote unquote done i mean they're hard modes which are something i'm going to strive towards but i've seen all the stuff now um it's good to know that now should be a time where we start seeing more more news about current content so i'm excited to see all of that um i am working on if anyone wants to help i'm looking to buy ravager pieces i have the chest and the pants uh, but I need the neck in both rings. So if you happen to know anyone who's selling them, please send me a message in game. I need to buy those to try to get my DPS up a little higher. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much my gameplay this week. Um, so uh, as soon as Baby Nord pops out, we get used to him and him, when his sleep schedules are or lack thereof. Thais and I will be able to continue our trek through Bancori, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that is about it for this week for news. Uh, we're going to move on to our next section, which is 
our email section. We got a lot of emails this week. And thank you so much. I love getting emails. So this is not a complaint in it at all. I love this. Um, first off, uh, my thing's in the way. Now I can't see it. And there's a fly in my room. Wonderful. Um, there it is. First one. Hi, Jealous. Following the recent episodes of Tales of Tamriel episode 68 and the DCN podcast episode one, I had a couple of comments to make. By the way, I completely agree. Children of Horan is a great book. It is. And I'm very sad that Christopher Lee passed away this week because he read that. and It was amazing. So I'm very, very sad and in mourning that Christopher Lee is is gone. Um. Firstly, if you have any questions about Lotro, feel free to ask me. I really do appreciate that. He went on to say how he has a character at higher levels. So, um, And the main reason why I wanted to read this is because there's a lot of good points in here and things I wanted to talk about. Um, I have to agree with Esteldine, however. The gameplay is very grindy, and upon moving to ESO, it was a mass relief to experience a game that, uh, that flows a little better. Due to the nature of the game, uh, free-to-play with purchase content... Um, Many older zones in the game were abandoned by Turbine in favor of developing newer zones to earn money. Some examples are Angmar and Misty Mountains. I'm afraid that this may happen to ESO. In terms of subscriptions within ESO and Lotro, ESO subscription is massively more beneficial than the Lotro equivalent. Regarding the amount of TP or Turbine points you receive, uh, while I was playing, there wasn't a great deal to spend the turbine points on other than content that I can't remember anyway, uh, which with the subscription, there was no need to buy anyway. Um, what you may not have noticed is that with Lotro subscription that you gain access to all the monster play PVP classes, so uh, which would not normally have access to unless you purchase them. Um, let me see here. I want to keep reading. Okay, I think that's uh, the rest of that one. And that email comes from uh, Mingza. There was more to the email, but it it was more concerning with Lotro because I was talking about Lotro in one of the other podcasts. And um, thank you so much for that email. First off, let's talk, guys. The issue with Zoss abandoning older zones in favor of, of adding newer content and DLC. Um as Mingza said, and I'll say this first, and you guys can weigh in. The difference between Lotro and this one is Lotro is completely free to play, where they nickel and dime you for everything. You enter a new zone. In some cases, you can't even do any quest until you buy the quest pack for that zone. Like it's nickel and diming to no end. Um, whereas Zoss, on the other hand, with the buy to play model, you get the base game for free as it is, and it contains everything. Um, I, I I don't foresee that um, Zoss doing that similar to what they did there other than, well, I guess in an extent they did do that. They're doing something very similar, but it, it maybe is a little bit less intrusive um, because obviously when you're playing the game now, I didn't know how far Lotro extended because um, I obviously haven't got very far in it. Um, I don't know how far into the game it goes before you start having to buy the quest packs. I'm not sure. I think that might have only been the later zones, but I, I could be completely wrong. Um, but something very similar will be 
happening with ESO because when Merkmeyer comes out and Rothgar and all these other areas, they are going to be DLC, which you can't even enter the zones or do any of the quests unless you buy it um, or have a subscription, which grants you access to it all the time. Um, so it could be very, very similar. I just, I, I, I don't know. It feels different. Do you guys see, do you feel different about that? Avi? Well, I, I've never played, never played Lord of the Rings online, but um, <clears throat> I don't think that they're going to abandon zones. And for the simple fact that a lot of the zones is uh, surroundings haven't even been given to the game yet. And once the history and lore from Whiterun gets brought in, it's going to bring in controversy with the lore from Windhelm, which can have them come back to older zones and produce more content. So I don't, I'm not, I'm sorry if that wasn't the exact, your exact question. I got a little lost, but uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see them abandoning zones and I really hope they don't because just the thought of that kind of scares me a little bit. Hmm. Uh, Thais, do you think that Zoss will abandon zones, meaning just like, and Avi, you did perfect. That's exactly sort of like what happened in Lotro. They stopped updating the zones at all. Like even the content looks older in the other zones than the newer ones because they weren't making money because that was the base game that they released. Do you think uh, they said they will abandon old zones completely? Like what we have now is all we will ever have. Or do you think they may go back and revamp them if something happens? I definitely think they'll go back and keep track of old zones because considering the lore and the fan base and how important every zone is, there's there's no way they're going to let them just completely go stale. It, it, it wouldn't make sense to, to do something like that. In other games, oh yeah, definitely. But in this game, no. I, I really don't see it. And if, if they did, I'd be, I would honestly be surprised. All right. Yeah, I see. I don't, I, I'm with, with you. The buy-to-play and free-to-play, as much as people seem to get them, you know, everyone's like, oh, ESO is free-to-play. Well, no, it's not. It's buy-to-play. And I actually have a great example because I, I do play MapleStory and that is entirely free to play. But every time they update, they revamp every single old zone. They, they change maps, they fix maps, they, they update you know, mobs and, and things that drop rates. And they take care of the entire game as a whole, not just new sections. And that's just a silly little 2D game. So to think that a game as big as this is not going to go back and take care of older zones is just preposterous. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say now. Do you remember what I was saying? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's, it's fine. I do it to you all. The... With me, though. I, I was. I was. Uh, oh, buy to play versus free to play. When There is a difference between the two. Um between buy to play and free to play there is because there's still an the difference between why why uh turbine would not go back and revamp the older zones in lotro is because they make no money off of those because anyone can download the game create an account and play without paying a single dime why would you update the zones that do not earn you any money um 
conversely with a buy to play model someone's still throwing down the 60 bucks to get the game so there's an incentive to keep that stuff at least fairly fresh or at least update you wouldn't abandon it completely because later on down the road with mmos we all know it's not about first day box sales like like a lot of other games where it's like let's just get our money up front these games grow and evolve over time and therefore you know they they're gonna want to make sure they stay at least somewhat relevant because if they're not then people are going to abandon it and that's just what's going to happen people will abandon your game because they're like i'm not going to buy that it's terrible like the the dlc is great but the first zones haven't been touched in five years and you know it's a it's a real chore to get through to get to the actual good content and that's actually what i hear about lotro is the fact that while the gameplay at least the end the end gameplay is like really good like the later stuff that they added is good well yeah it's because they earn money off of that and they put a lot of time in it and one of the people i was talking to about lotro their first response was don't worry you have to you know fight through the first like 60 levels but after that it gets really awesome it's like why would i have to fight through 60 levels if it's no fun then why would i do it it you know it's because you don't have to pay for it to go through it if you want to experience the really good stuff you have to pay for it and I think Zoss is a little different. So, uh, Next email is from Chris. Uh, Thanks for the great Templar builds. I'm just getting back into ESO after a year of being away and absolutely have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Uh, your build guides give me a great place to start rebuilding my Templar. Thanks again. Um, Esteldian's not here on the show, but there you go, Esteldian. Someone's using your, your Templar guides. And actually... I even use Estaldian's Templar guides for like when I want a tank or something. I go and check out the the guides on Dungeon Crawler because Estaldian did really great work. Um, he often plays them on the stream, so I see that they actually work, and it's not just somebody theory crunching and and put actual no testing into it. He does a lot on it, so he does a really good job with those. So. Good work. Definitely, if you have a Templar and you're interested in a kind of any kind of Templar build, he has something for you, more than likely. All right. Um, next email, and Thais, you'll like this one. I just wanted to let you know that my husband Scott and I listened to your podcast today for the first time. We really enjoyed it and planned to listen to more broadcasts slash episodes. We also love Skyrim and the world of ESO. I was delighted to learn that your pot uh, that your podcast that Agelas and Thais uh, that you both bought two copies of Skyrim so you could play together side by side, just like Scott and I do with one player games. And now you play ESO too. Uh, hope to see you. Um, hope to see you both and your colleagues in the game sometime. Um, and they give the names of their characters. Um, we think that. We, th- we think we might also start saying things like it's going to eat my face and I feed off your tears. <laughs> anyway, good job on your website and your podcast. Keep up the great work. Cheers. That is from um, Glenobi, Glenobi, Glenobi and Scott. So thank you so much. We're so glad that you're listening and that you enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, definitely one of the best things and what actually 
you know, more or less attracted me to Thais when I met her was the fact she liked playing video games. And that was something that we can bond over. It's something we actually do together that we bond over. We like doing this stuff together. So that's a lot of fun. Except for one thing, like where my 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 greatest love video game he has no interest in and has never played and actually tells me he dislikes. <sighs> is this is he going back to Maple Story? Oh, Zelda. Oh, oh, Zelda. You don't like Zelda? I do I not do. like Zelda. Wait, but, but wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't know those words can be put into a sentence. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. I know. Granted, he's never played a Zelda game. So it's not even heck? like he has anything to base it off of. He has nothing. He has absolutely nothing. And he can go, oh, it's too kitty and it's too this and it's too that. Obviously, he's never watched anything from Twilight Princess. Because... I was going to say, too kitty. You got to play Ocarina of Time, man. That's... <sighs> That's, that that story is pretty deep. When those redeads, you know, shriek and attach themselves to your body, I run around the house screaming. Like, just, I can't, yeah, I can't like, even feel. In defense, you run your mouth screaming off of anything, so... I, I don't know. You know what? No, no, one's, no one's asking you. No one's asking. Just, no one's asking. The, the, one, the one Zelda game he has tried is Wind Waker. So, of course, he's going to think it's Kitty. Oh, it's the, like the most Kitty one ever made. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My major complaint, and from what I hear, this person is in every single one. The kid with the snot booger who follows you around everywhere. <laughs> like, he okay. won't leave me alone. And I tried to hit him with my little wooden sword, and he won't go away. Yeah. That it freaks me he, out. He admires you. Well, then just don't don't go near him. And you're I good. can't. He follows me. The kid with the run. And apparently, you were telling me he's in like every single one of them. I don't remember saying that. I I remember you telling me he's like on every single one. There's always like some little kid with a runny nose following you around somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there's one in Majora's Mask. I know that mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So other other than that, it, hey, you know what? It, it's fine because she doesn't like Lord of the Rings either. So there's a little bit of contention. Uh, in our but I have I, valid reasons as to. There is no, no valid reason as to not like Lord of the Rings. Are you kidding me? I can't me? think of any. They're boring. They're so boring. Off the show. Oh get off. Get off the show. They are so. Have you ever? Boring. Have you? You played Skyrim, right? I mean, if 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 you think Skyrim is entertaining with all of the talking, that is. Skyrim's what nine tenths talking and listening. Uh, Lord of the Rings is pretty similar to Elder Scrolls games. I I can't I can't even make it through all the movies. It took about six different times for me to make it through the first one. I can't make it through the second and the third movie because they're so boring. Like there's just I can't do it. I fall asleep every time. Like if I cannot sleep, put on Lord of the Rings. I'll be out in ten minutes. Oh, you gotta (laughs) watch it standing up. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't even know what to say about that. But at least I have valid reasons. No. You have no valid reasons for disliking Zelda. No, there's no valid reason. Zelda would not exist if not for Lord of the Rings. Okay, just say. Actually, that is really not true because Zelda is based off of the creator's love of adventure from when he was a child and how he would explore all the woods and stuff surrounding his house, which has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings. Lord, at all. Lord of the Rings brought around the fantasy genre for everybody and made it mainstream. Just saying. That's it. No. Isn't this an Elder Scrolls show? It is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm arguing about Lord of the Rings, but this is this is something in there. All right. Next question. This one, uh, I actually emailed, uh, got an email from somebody 
uh, James, that's his name, um, who is a console player. So welcome to our console player friends. And he had several questions. And obviously, this is something I've actually had a couple people message going, you know, I'm console. I don't quite understand some of the terms you guys use. Um, and I will try my best to try to make it a little bit more obvious. Um, with MMO terms, it's one of those things you'll learn them as you go along. It, You know, you'll play and that's just something you'll learn. There's actually a really good um, guide, if you will, on the official Elder Scrolls forum, which is like a comprehensive list of all the acronyms MMO gamers use and how they work within ESO. Uh, it's really, really good. So definitely, I, I would say read through it if you're new to MMOs in general. Um, but there was like a list of 15 questions that this person had uh, about Elder Scrolls Online. And I wanted to read them all out, even though I emailed them back and answered them because I thought it was, you know, a lot of other people may be having similar questions. So uh, this is for all of our new console friends who just started. Maybe this will help out. First off, I started as an Imperial Templar and I'm worrying about the about build and such. I want a magic focused Templar, but would that mean I'd get the most out of it if I wear light armor, right? But I find myself dying too much. I want to cast magic, you know, class magic, Adric Spear, Dawn's Wrath, etc. But I would need to use light armor to get the most out of it. And that was a question. I'm just confused on how I should spec and what to do. I'm level 12 Imperial Templar using a sword and shield. Um, and I answered this off, off the bat going... Light armor is where you get the most bang for your buck, obviously. Now, while you're leveling, it's better maybe just to do a little bit of mixing and matching. Um, but if you were a pure number cruncher and you wanted to cast magic, you'd want to actually use like a Destro or a Restro staff um, because that would just augment your, your magic. And obviously, everything you're doing is magical based anyway. The damage from your sword and shield um, is not affected by your magic stat. So using a Destro staff, like a Destruction staff or a Restoration staff or both would be beneficial for the type of player you're looking for. Now, as I was saying, a full 7 of 7 light armor is the way to get the most out of, you know, the most out of your numbers. However, as you said, you could be quite squishy at that point. Um, but for light armor, the minimum that you need to activate all the passives, and this works for every type of armor in the game, is five. So if you want to get the benefit of every single passive, you're going to want to use at least five pieces. But I know a lot of people, even at endgame, who use five light, two heavy. The two pieces of heavy give them a little bit of extra uh, survivability, armor, and spell resistance than the light armor does. Um, and they still are able to get all the passive benefits. They may not have the best numbers in terms of min-maxing, but their survivability really, really does help. So unless you're running with a group where you completely trust the person who's healing you, uh, it's often better to run five light and uh, two heavy. Or five light, one medium, and one heavy for his case, and he's only level 12. He... For James, you should really focus on, since you're such a low level, really uh, leveling up all the different different things while you're low level. Just a, a little tip that might help him, you know? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And another thing is, uh, as you're doing dungeons and stuff like that, there's an, a passive called uh, the Undaunted Passives, yes. where you actually get 
bonus stats for wearing one of every type of armor. So what a lot of people do is they wear five of whatever their main would be. If they're a tank, it's five heavy. If you're a melee DPS, it's five medium. And if you're a caster or healer, it's five light. But then they wear one heavy and one medium or one of each other type. So that way they get the bonus stats. That is another option that you can do. And that's something you, you can work out later. Uh, that's not something you really have to worry about leveling. That's that's a pure number cruncher near the end of the game. Some people find the 6% extra stats to be beneficial. Some people go, I'd much rather just have the raw damage of a pure 7-7 seven, seven build. So, And also, I'm just saying, Imperial Templar, if you put on a bunch of medium armor and you switch from Magicka to Stamina, put yourself a nice big two-handed sword in your hand, you won't feel squishy ever again. <laughs> this is very true. Absolutely yes. very true. Um, I I play a Templar myself. It's not Imperial, but I play a Templar myself. And medium armor, two-handed weapon. Oh, I, I never feel squishy. Ever. Yep. Yeah, I have an Imperial Templar VR7. And yeah, he does not feel squishy at all with his two-handed and medium armor. <laughs> Uh, next up, me and my friends got the Imperial Edition, but one of my friends only got the Standard. He doesn't have a horse. We want. We went to the stables, and they sell different ones. Are some better than others? Are they all pure aesthetics? Uh, because there's a 10K one, and a 40, and the others are 42K. Is there a difference between them all? And what about Guar mounts? Before the game transitioned to buy to play and update six, all the all the horses had their own unique stats that you could level up. Um, and so certain horses were better. Obviously, the 42K ones were better. They had better stats. But that has all changed in the most recent update where it's now a character riding skill. So all mounts, regardless of price, whether you buy them on the Crown Store, a.k.a. Guar, um, Senshi Tigers, horses, anything like that, whether it's the 42K one or the 10K one, it's all the same because it's all based on your riding skill now. That's so the prices were never updated to reflect that, but before they had different stats. Um, but now, since it's a character riding skill rather than an, uh, the mount skill, it, it doesn't matter any longer. It's just what you like in terms of looks. And if you're just starting, get with the cheap horse just so he has something um, or throw some crowns at it. So. Um, I also bought an ESO plus membership, but I don't really know what it entails other than making me super awesome. I know I get 10% more experience and 1500 crowns a month, but what else? The one thing that elder scrolls online has going for it is the subscription. If you were going to play this game heavily, it, it pays you to subscribe because there's no downside to not subscribing. You get the same amount of crowns you get if you just bought them outright if you subscribe but you also get all those bonuses such as 10% experience you get 10% extra gold drop you get 10% inspiration which is the crafting experience and you get 10% reduction to your um, research time so whenever you research an item it takes time to learn how to craft it and you actually get a further 10% reduction added to the passives that also reduce it. So there are a lot of benefits to being an ESO Plus subscriber. Now, if you only play 
once once in a great while, maybe it doesn't benefit you, you know. But if if you're playing this at all frequently and would spend the money on the crowns anyway, it it's worth it just just to subscribe. I almost say if you're just going to buy 1500 crowns, it's almost better just to subscribe for the month and then cancel your subscription right afterwards so you get at least a month of bonuses uh, as well as the subscription. So you get your 1500 crowns you're going to buy before plus all the bonuses for a month. It, it also also you get access to all DLC. Yes. So if you're not if you're not a PS Plus member, you have to purchase the DLC when it comes out for whatever price they're selling it for. If you're part of the PS Plus membership, then it comes free to you, but it's only rented. So as soon as you're not subscribed for, say, the next month, if you don't subscribe again, then you lose access to all of this, to all of the zones they've added since then. But you do get to keep all of the loot that you found in those zones. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, as of right now, it really like people can play without the PS Plus benefit, and it's not a big deal. But if you're gonna spend the money on it anyway, you get the crowns, you get all that, and it is nice that you can play DLC day one without having to buy it. However, like you said, if you ever cancel, you either need to buy crowns to buy the content so it's permanently available for you, or resub. That's your choice, because any DLC you'll lose access to. And in terms of DLC, for those who don't know or maybe have only played the single-player games, that would be like um, uh, the Hearth... Not the Hearth... Well, Hearthfire expansion, absolutely. But I'm thinking closer to the lines of Dawnguard, <clears throat> where... Or you, more, more of Dragonborn, where you get to go to Solstheim. Yes, exactly. Solstheim's perfect. Uh, if you're subscribed, you could go to Solstheim. You can get all your items. But if you ever unsubscribe... You, if you were logged out in Solstheim, I imagine they just kick you out. You go to whatever the city is, and you cannot go back to that zone until you either buy the DLC or resubscribe. I was killing monsters, and one dropped something called Shimmering Alet Bezor. It's a blue item bound to my character, and I have no idea what it is. Um, P.S. The merchants give me 13 gold for it, but I'm not sure if that's the best option. These are collectible items. There are very, there's a lot of, like if you open up your, I'm actually going to open up right now. If you open up your achievements menu, there is a section under, where is it? Trophies. It's called trophies. Each one of these things in here allows you to collect these different items. And those are those items you found. They're rare. And when you get them, you just right click and use them and it gets added to your achievement list and it crosses off the list. When you finish these achievements, they give you unique things such as dies. Like I think every single one of these has a die attached to it. So the reason to collect these is so you can unlock the die color so you can dye your armor. Like uh, the Atronach element collector Requires you to collect all the trophy items from Atronox, including Smoldering, Ember Heart, Fleshy, Symbiote, uh, Even Frost, and Crackling Lodestone. And when you when you get all four of them and get this achievement, you get Elemental White Dye to use on your armor. So that's what that is. It is a collectible item that you can use, and it's for finishing achievements and getting dye colors. Also, you can consume them. So if you uh, if you try to eat one of them or like take a like at the potion, sometimes they give your character a little funny effect. Oh yes, yeah, some of them do. Crafting, help, tips. I've been experimenting and I've learned a lot. But what is useful? Is provisioning really needed? 
what do people look for on late in the game um, an alchemist for example and I said first thing while leveling break down everything you get just saying just break it down because when you're leveling you need that extra experience keep an eye out for items that are called intricate um, because those items give like what is triple experience for breaking them down um, it's also beneficial that if you you said you're playing with your friends, right? If your friends are also doing crafting, make items and then trade with your friends because you actually get more experience breaking down items that your friend make than breaking down ones that you've made. You get very little experience for uh, breaking down items you've made, but you get quite a bit if you break down items that like your friend might have given you. So it's definitely worthwhile to do that. Um as for endgame, one thing every pretty much everyone, if you're serious about doing endgame, is actually making sure that you get out, level alchemists up to 50. Even if you don't plan on keeping the keeping the uh, the stat there, which you you don't necessarily need to, um, you want to put points in something called medicinal use. It allows your potions to last longer, and you'll notice that in endgame. Um, like the rating and trials and stuff like that, you're chugging potions and the longer they last, the better you get, just get better benefit. Um, as for crafting items, of course, it's something that alchem or, uh, provisioning is useful because everyone uses food buffs. If you go into like a vet dungeon, maybe not a vet dungeon, but trials, people ask you where your food buff is. Cause that you, you're going to want food buffs. Um, I will say this. This is coming from a person who is a master crafter. I have 50 crafters for everything. And at one point, everything was 50 on my character. Crafting is very expensive in terms of skill points. If you do a lot of crafting on a single character, you're not going to have a lot of points to put into other things. Now, don't be scared. If you want to do it all in one character, you can. But please be aware that it's going to limit how many skills you can have available without respecking because it does cost a lot of points in order to get every crafting on a character. Um, I would pick one character or maybe a couple characters to do um, your, your woodworking, blacksmithing and clothing because you have to research traits and that takes a very, very long time. I'm talking months provisioning and alchemy you can level in like two hours if you have the materials and you can i've leveled it almost every character because it's fairly cheap if you farm the materials yourself um it's even cheap if you buy them really uh, so alchemy and provisioning are the easiest ones in the world to level enchanting is a pain but it's not really if you if you had someone who could help you by making a bunch of stuff it's actually not that bad um but yeah, that's that's my advice. Avi, do you have any advice? Well, my only advice is when it comes to enchanting, just uh, just break down every glyph that you find. That will, that will help your enchanting a little bit because that is definitely the most frustrating out of the craftings. It, things it in this game. really is. The other ones don't take near as long to level. Enchanting took me like six months to level. I'm not even lying. It, it took me a very, very long time to level enchanting just because of how slow that it levels. It levels. Yeah. So, yeah, just slow. just deconstructing glyphs will help level out, level up your provisioning. If you do that while you're just 
leveling and playing through your characters. Right. Absolutely. And you find them all over the place, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely break them down because they really don't sell for much. Like, don't ever vendor them. Um, get in a trade guild and sell them if you don't want to break them down because you can sell them for more than what a vendor would buy them for because people will buy them just to level up enchanting because it's such a pain. But don't ever vendor a glyph. Either break it down to level your character or sell it to someone else that they can level theirs. Don't, don't vendor it. I found a couple of motifs already, and I've been keeping them in my bank. When you learn them, are they account-wide or only character that they're used on? They are only done on the character that you're used on. So if you have a, um, a motif or anything like that, when you learn it on a character, make sure you learn on a character that you plan to do that crafting on, because it is not account-wide. They are all character-bound. Which goes back to your le- to the last question. If you do put have three characters and one is doing woodworking, one's doing blacksmithing, and the other's doing clothing, you're gonna have to find the motifs for all three of those characters. So okay. that's why sometimes it's better to do maybe two of the two of the craftings on one character, so you don't have to find so many motifs. I've done three char- three the three main ones: woodworking, blacksmithing, and clothing on my main character and I still have tons of points so three is very doable um, and you'll be able to do a lot any more than that gets rough because all I have for the other stuff are the the passive kind of things the uh like I have medicinal use on my character which is only a couple points um stuff like that from other crafting but I put a lot of points into the other ones because obviously I'm learning those skills and therefore I, I need to make sure that they're have them um so yeah when you equip a piece of armor uh when you equip a piece of armor that you find can you tell what race style it is does it tell you anywhere or is there a way to check i understand how motifs work and how to start off crafting uh how you start off crafting with your own race but is there a way to tell a difference uh somewhere like on the armor no there is currently no way to tell what an armor piece is uh, by looking at its like tooltip or anything. It's just something you learn from experience as you go through. But there are websites out there like ESO Fashion, which you can Google search. It'll, you'll find it <clears throat> where they took screen copies of everything so you can see what it all looks like. Um, but yeah, there's no, it's not written on the armor. The other thing you could do is if you didn't need it, you just look down and went, wow, that looks kind of neat. You can break it down and possibly get the crafting material that was used to make it. Because uh, as you know, everything needs a a, a, tr- uh, a a crafting style material added to the recipe so you find out what it is. Uh, like Dark Elves, Dunmer, are Obsidian. You could break it down and then it would tell you what it is if you got the piece. Now, it's not guaranteed you'll get it, but it has a very high drop chance. So I don't see why you um, next up, guilds. What level do you join? You have to be to join a guild. Do do you guys have a guild on consoles? And how many guilds can I join at once? Uh, you can join a guild at any level. It doesn't not it does not matter what level you are. You can join it right from the start. Um, the Tales of Tamriel Dungeon Crawler Network. We do not have a guild on consoles. Um, And you can join up to five guilds at once. And I wrote this in the email. I recommended saving at least one slot 
for a crafting or not crafting guild, a trading guild. Because there are no um, auction houses as most people know them in the game. So if you're going to want to sell stuff, you're going to want to be part of one of these um, big trade guilds. So save at least one spot for that. I would always recommend at least one and then do what you need to do in the other ones. Man, um, I'm, I just I just thought about it. If you don't have zone uh, typing chat, it's probably pretty hard to sell to sell any of your stuff if you're not part of a trader's guild, huh? Yeah, it, on it console, it would be pretty difficult. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's definitely definitely is going to be difficult for them. So that's why I always recommended saving at least one spot for. A crafting guild or a, not a craft a trade guild because it is like you, you that's the only way to sell in game find yourself a nice big one join it and then go from there and i think you'll you'll you don't even have to really interact with the people i mean most trade guilds when you look at them that's how they are like our guild we're a social trade guild because we're part of you know the dcn network here on the pc side so we took chat with everyone but our guild started out as a you know place for all of our all of our community to go. Most trade guilds, you're literally there just to buy and sell. Chat is normally wanting to buy this, wanting to buy it. So you can ignore the chat most of the time and just put your stuff up on their guild store. Inventory. Can I buy more space for my character? If so, where? Um, I know I can buy more bank space. Um, every city has a bag merchant. You can, or not every city, every major city has a bag merchant. Uh, look for the sign that just has a bag on it. Um, for people who want to know, I actually have maxed out. You can get, you can buy bag space for your character up to 110 slots. So when you max out your carrying capacity riding skill, that gives you another 60 slots. So on a character, you can have up to 170 uh, bag slots on a single character. Uh, your banks can be upgraded to 240 slots. Um, just so you know, I did that and it cost me... A little over eight hundred thousand gold, you know, close to a million gold to max out one character and one, um, and one and my bank. Now that didn't even include the amount of money I put into it for the uh, raising my horse skill. That was literally just me buying the upgraded bags and buying the bank space. So get ready to you know open up your your coin purse. You're gonna need it. Bank. Is there any places near crafting stations where I can access my bank? I find myself running back and forth from the bank in the refugee camp, Thieves Guild hideout. Um, every city is a little different in its layout, but you're able to actually craft things from your bank. So put all of your crafting materials in your bank, not a guild bank, in your bank, and you're going to actually be able to craft from your bank without actually needing them on your character. So that's what I do. My my. My uh, my vault is used for crafting materials. You know, I didn't know that for the first first couple weeks or month or so playing this game, and that was so frustrating carrying all my crafting materials, thinking how am I how's this supposed to work? <laughs> so, yeah, that's definitely a good thing to know early on. Oh, definitely. I didn't. It took me a little while to figure that out either. I was I was sitting there messing with it, and I would carry all my stuff, and I threw everything in my bank one day, and I went to craft one simple thing. And all of a sudden I started noticing, wait, I can craft all this stuff. This is all in my bank. <laughs> so that was helpful. 
With the latest update, is stamina viable in Endgame? I'm guessing that consoles and PCs are on the same update, or is it still the Elder Staves Online? Um, as of right now, stamina is actually stronger than Magicka in most cases. And this is as of 2.0, uh, Tamriel Unlimited, update 6. Um, both are still very viable. Like, they're not so far... They're not so far different like they were before, where if you're a stamina user, you're not going on trials, you're not doing anything like that. They're actually close enough that their damage is comparable, but in terms of um, sustainability, stamina is ahead. So stamina can do just as much damage, if not a little more, and can actually last longer than Magicka users as of right now. Now that may change in a later update, but at least right now for the first time, the game really is play what you want to play. Like, do you want to, you don't have to be, you know, the elder staves online as obviously you've heard to say this, you don't have to play a pure, you know, magic, a class. If you wanted to be stamina. Now there's still a, a right way to build your character and certain abilities are pretty much worthless, but you can, you can be a stamina character now and, and do good damage. So it's, it's definitely, definitely much better time in Tamriel and ESO. Um, what level should I do you recommend I go into PvP for? Um, I'm scared to go in there and get rocked by uh, veteran ranked people that transfer from PC as I'm only level 12. Um, I'm assuming that the console has the same campaigns as we do but there's a non-veteran rank campaign where no one who is level 50 can go in it. I recommend going in there whenever you want. I mean, it's, it's nice that they added that because there is no veteran ranks allowed in there. So definitely go in there and check it out. You'll have a good time. Um, do that whenever you want. Definitely, definitely fun to try. Um, what are glyphs and runes for? I know one is enchanting, but one is the other. Are they both used for the enchanting? They are actually both enchanting. Uh, runes are the raw resource used to create glyphs. Glyphs are the final product that gets added to weapons and armor. Um, 14? Yeah, number 14. Sometimes I see people wearing cool stuff and wonder, what is that and how can I see it? Is there a way to inspect a player um, like there was in Destiny that where we can see what they're wearing? No, there is there is not any option in ESO to view another character's uh, armor or anything of that nature. However, we are a very friendly community. I've on various occasions have seen someone run by with an awesome item and I would whisper them. I've actually got whispered several times um, and go. we just a very friendly community. Ask people will. I've never met someone in this game that's ever refuse to tell me where they got something um i have in other games <laughs> but not this one um i've actually had so far as people telling me exactly where it's at how i can go about getting it so we are a very friendly community if you see someone walking by you know something super awesome send them a message go hey i love what you're wearing dude where did you get it what are you wearing and most people will be more than happy to tell you what they're wearing um, isn't that right obvious I, yeah, yeah, but how can you whisper somebody when oh. all you have is proximity chat? 
Well, I mean, you can probably see their game tag and be like, hey, so-and-so. Uh, I hope. That, I, that, that'll be awesome. If, I, I, I just didn't know if whis- you were talking about that, and it got me thinking. Oh, I, I haven't heard if whispering is still in the game on console. I, I don't think it is, but you can get close enough to the person and, and oh, yeah, quote they had that, quote, They have that whole them. chatting thing where you can walk up to somebody and say something, and I think if your character is like, walking away, the voice fades. Yeah, it does. Yeah, if you okay. get close enough, though, you I mean, just reach out to the person. Now, yeah. again, this is based off the PC community. And now I'm not saying that the console community is any worse or anything like that. It's obviously the people playing. But I haven't had experience with the console. And specifically, and, you know, I, I wrote this message. Um, and I really didn't think about it with the proximity chat. It might be difficult to to find out if people either have their proximity chat turned off and I don't know how maybe people would be a little bit I don't know like proximity chat when you it's easy to type something to people it's not as easy to talk to people like some people kind of get weird about that um, so I, I really don't know like it, it all depends on the person but I mean generally from the community we've had so far in the community that we've had follow this game I can't see someone being angry for, you know, wanting to find out what they're wearing. Because no one, at least in the PC community, is at all like that. Uh, final question. Crown Store. So I found out from a player that the Crown Store on the PC is actually different from, um, and has more items that they sometimes rotate. Do you guys know how often they will rotate things in and out? Um... Well, the reason why it's probably different right now is because our store has changed since, like, two times since uh, um, the store was introduced. And I'm sure they want console players to be able to get all the same stuff that we had prior. So they're probably introducing it in the same way they introduced it to us. I've only... How many times has the store been updated since it's been out? Four or five times? Yeah, about four times. And I think only two of those times have they removed items. Um, have they removed items twice? Yes. The first time they removed all the blue motifs and they oh, removed yeah. the... They removed the blacksmith Blacksmith outfit, outfit. Yeah. yeah. The second time they removed the cook's outfit and one of the horses. Um, and as I said in the email to the person, uh, to James, I said, probably what they're doing is they're looking at the sales metrics and go, well, we're adding new items. Let's rotate items out that aren't selling well. Blue items are like the blue motifs. I really didn't think they were going to sell well for how expensive they were because um, they were very expensive for an item that was very easy to come by. I thought they would go very quickly. So that's i think they rotated them out because they weren't selling that well and other games have actually removed it like guild wars 2 is a game that was a buy to play that has this type of of cash shop and they rotate items out too because what they do is they put items in the store when it fits a certain um story arc or something along those lines you'll see them actually do something like that but then they'll bring it back six months later just because they they want to like just because an item's removed from the crown store doesn't mean it's necessarily gone forever it may come back at a later time at least we've seen that happen with with other games and uh, i know for instance um, a lot of people are asking about the different senshi mounts because they were made available only for a weekend 
I honestly don't think that they will be gone forever. I think that they were a, essentially a marketing ploy to earn a lot of quick cash fast. Um, you know, hey, get these while they're here kind of deal, right? But why would you throw out an asset when it's already made? They'll hold on to it for six months and then release it permanently into the store later, you know, for the people who missed it. Maybe even at a lower cost. It's just it, that's a marketing grab for people going, hey, buy this now because it's only going to be in the store for, you know, a couple weeks. Uh, but at no point did Zoss say <clears throat> it's going to be in the store and never again will it be available. They just like, hey, you know, they'll bring it back. I'm sure they will because um, I know they sold well. I know they sold well, but people are more liable to spend money on crowns when they think something's only for a short time rather than going I'll wait a month or two until I have a little bit of extra cash at home that I can that I can buy people will more readily throw things down if they think it's only going to be there for a while it, it's a proven uh, strategy all right that was the end of those questions and I really do appreciate you send those in to us and I hope that helped you as well as any other console players that are out there. Um, if you have any questions, guys, please, uh, this gentleman sent us a bunch of questions. We will be more than willing to answer them and help out however we can. So send them in if you have any questions. All right. It's uh, final thoughts time, but I'm looking over and I think they fell asleep on the couch. <laughs> well, good. No, night, you're good. Days. You're good. Are you good enough for final thoughts? All right, Thais, why don't you go first? Well, let's see. Um, this was certainly interesting to do the show from the couch <laughs> because I will admit it was very comfy. You were just, just getting into the, the mind of the console players, right? Who play from the couch. So now you're podcast. You are our console podcaster. <laughs> That's so not even cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be the first to admit console gag. <laughs> Remember, I feed on everyone's tears. So it's okay. True. It's okay. <laughs> it was a, it was a good show. I'm glad I got to participate from the couch because you know it's the swelling and the baby's almost here. So it was. I always love when I can still participate in the show and give my input. So it was a good show. I'm glad I could be here. Okay. Well, we love having you here. Obviously, Avi and I we're just filler. We we all know this and we accept this. We are clearly filler for Thais. So, Avi. Final thoughts for the show, buddy. I am glad to be a filler. No, it was a <laughs> it, it was a it was a great show. It's always great talking some Elder Scrolls with you guys. Hopefully, we have a Steldian back next week, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing another show. Excellent. Yep, yeah, um, Steldian. As I, I think I said it in the beginning, but if I didn't, uh, Steldian had a, a slight internet outage. His uh, his router decided, you know what, I'm not going to work, and exploded. And his ISP company's like, yeah, we'll get you a new one, but we're not sending anyone out till at least Monday. So he is without internet completely. Um, and he actually sent me this message from his phone. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how people live without the internet. I've not been able to get on. So, yeah. That's... I'd be freaking out right now if I didn't yeah. have internet. <laughs> <laughs> that That's why he's not here today. But he'll be back next week. Um, it was definitely a fun show. I'm super excited with all the stuff that I had managed to uh, complete in game this past, well, past two weeks, really um, getting to experience all the, all the, the harder content 
um, in the game, you know, DSA and, and uh, all the trials um, was really fun. And I really appreciate the uh, Dreadlords Guild for taking me along. Um, it, it, it's just so much fun. And I hope I get in there and do some more. And hopefully by the time I get all my Ravager pieces, I should be doing a lot more DPS as well. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Everyone have a good night. You just listened to another episode of Tales of Tamriel, a Dungeon Crawler Network production. If you want to get involved, please be sure to check out our website at www.dungeoncrawlernetwork.com. Please be sure to follow us on our social media and YouTube channels. We can be found on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dungeoncrawlernetwork, on Twitter at dungeoncrawlnet, and at Tales of Tamriel, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tales of Tamriel podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Thank you.